Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corbett. Dad gave me uh, my life, so I've given him his back. So, yeah, that's kind of been in my mind, I suppose, ever since I got the call from Beaumont, the team in Beaumont, who I have to say have been just tremendous to both of us throughout. Um, Yeah, I got the call on on the 8th of July to say that after weeks and weeks of uh, medical tests and psychological tests that I had been medically cleared to donate a a kidney to dad. And um, from, from then, I suppose, you know, I was focused and, you know, had my mindset that I was doing this and nothing was going to get in my way. So can you tell tell me take me through the mental process because I'm going to talk to your dad in a second but just the mental process of of you deciding to give a kidney. Yeah, well I suppose you know once dad was on dialysis we as a family knew and he himself I suppose that one day he would need a, a new kidney and a kidney transplant. And um, so I suppose the way it works is you know family members can put themselves forward or dad then obviously he's on the list for uh, you know God forbid when someone passes away that um, a deceased donor is, is there and they're a match. So once dad was accepted onto the transplant list, which happened in February, um, then it was, I suppose, right, is there anyone going to put themselves forward to donate to John? And you had no hesitation? No hesitation. So uh, both Sean, my brother, um, and myself put ourselves forward and um you know, they first of all took bloods from us in Beaumont Hospital and I came back then as being the match to be able to donate. But that was only the beginning, really. Um, as I just said, medical tests, a lot, a lot of tests that went through me with a fine comb to make sure that I was, I suppose, healthy, very, very healthy. And then I had to do a couple of sessions with a, with a, with a psychologist who I have to say was very very good and very very thorough but what were they like Trish what happened in those sessions uh, it was it was t- it was tough going the first session wasn't too bad it was more a kind of a friendly chat but we got down to the nitty gritty then in, in, in the second session and you know thinking back on it they had to make sure that my mind was in the right place to make a decision as as, as I was about to what I was about to go through um, and I suppose not only before and during the surgery but the aftermath yeah. um, you know that I suppose as he said before the surgery he said you might come across as being the hero to people and he said the limelight then may come off you when the, I suppose the job has been done that your dad is, is the one that has been looked after yeah. and you know all of that had to be covered mm-hmm. um, to make sure that I wasn't just doing this because it was my dad or was my family member and yeah. um, you know so but you know all the team in Bowman including the psychologist tip top such treatment we've got right. is just phenomenal we we were uh, admitted into into Bowman Hospital on the 30th of, 30th of November before our operation the 1st of December and it was like we were being checked into a five star hotel that's the treatment mm. that we were getting mm. you know and that didn't stop um, dad and I I was in room five dad was in room six and you know we were beside each other and but I mean for a day or two after the surgery you know we were a little bit under the weather but you know nurses were so good to communicate to me how dad's progress was yeah. was coming along and vice versa you know they were just fantastic fantastic okay. and still keep in contact I mean I was up for my six-week checkup yesterday and again I was welcomed with open arms yeah. you know and it wasn't all about me it was about dad how's your dad doing and whatever like that but um yeah such such special people and unsung heroes really John what was life like before all this kicked off 
Uh, I was good and healthy, Alan, and it was early 2017. I started to feel a little bit unwell. So I made an appointment with my, my GP and we had some bloods done. And uh, I had regular bloods done then. And we go forward then to April that year, the 7th of April. I'll never forget it because we were hosting an exhibition by our good friend John Power from Kilmore Quay. He was launching an exhibition up in Kilran in our little maritime centre. And as I said, that was the 7th of April. Yeah. I had bloods done that morning in my GPs there. And that afternoon, early evening, I got a phone call about 5 o'clock. Get yourself into Wexford General Hospital ASAP. So I checked into the hospital. They were expecting me. The doctor had phoned ahead. And they were expecting me, as I say. And they put me straight into A&E there. And went to see a doctor. And all of a sudden then, I took a fail. I came out in a lather of sweat and I thought there's something seriously wrong here. But anyway, they got me uh, got me up and running again, as the fella says. And uh, I eventually got out the next morning at two o'clock. I got home, thank God. Right. So regular checks then, bloods, doctor's visits, etc. And they obviously suspected something then. And they sent me down to University Hospital Walford uh, to the renal clinic under the supervision of Dr. Kelly. So, as I say, I had uh, regular visits down there with him, blood tests, etc. And we're keeping an eye on the kidney level, the kidney function. And uh, they obviously picked up something. So, Dr. Kelly said to me, everything is stable at the moment then, John. But uh, as time went on then, uh, the kidney function stopped, uh, started to drop. So, he said, John, if it goes down as low as 10%, we'll have to act. And that means dialysis. So I understood that. Came home, got another appointment a couple of weeks later. And when he checked uh, the bloods, the kidney function had dropped to 8%. So then he made arrangements to start the dialysis, which started off in University Hospital in Waterford. So I was up and down there for just under a year. Right. Used to leave here in the morning at half past six by taxi mm -hmm. to be down in Waterford for half seven and getting home then at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. A long day and a tiring day. Just completely exhausted when I got home. Sometimes you had an appetite, more days you didn't have an appetite. So just worn out. Right. And I was in Waterford Monday, Wednesday and Friday, three days a week, four hours on the dialysis machine. Yeah. And the reason I went to Waterford, as a lot of people will know, there is a dialysis unit in Wellstone in Drine in Wexford. But unfortunately, there was no space there. They had a full house, so to speak. Mm. So, as I say, I was up and down to Waterford for some months there. Right. But then a space became available and I transferred up to Wellstone. Yeah. And I was there just for under 12 months as well. But I'll never forget the day that Trish sent me a text, the 7th of July, I think it was. She said there was a Friday. And halfway through the dialysis session, halfway through the four-hour session, and the text came in, I read the text, I was over the moon, almost in tears, as the fellow says. So the first nurse what I saw... What was on the text? That she had got the all clear. She was a match for to give me a kidney. Yeah. So the first nurse I saw, I showed the text, and she was absolutely, absolutely over the moon. Of course, word sp spread around the dialysis then, and everybody was congratulating me, you know? Yeah. So then we got appointments to go, as Trish said earlier on there, to meet the uh, transplant team and the surgeons, etc. But prior to that, I had to go through tests 
Uh, would you believe a little general knowledge test yeah. to see that my mind was in the right place? Yeah. This happened in Wexford. Uh, I had to go on a treadmill. I had to have my heart traced, etc., etc. I had to have a clean bill of health to see was I able for the procedure that was going to happen. So we went, uh, went up as Trish said, to meet the surgeons and the transplant team in February and um, said everything was in place and they were just waiting for Trish's results. After she got to go ahead then they were just waiting for yeah. her results, like, you know. Yeah. What was going through your head then? Uh, as Trish said, she was in room five and uh, I was in room six and uh, we were able to communicate by phone and she'd come to the window and whatever, like, you know. Yeah. And uh, she was keeping a check on me, but... Uh, I was totally confident that she had uh, made her mind up that she was going ahead with this, like, you know. Yeah. So Trish went to the theatre first uh, on the 1st of December, and if I recall rightly, she was down for about three hours. Mm. And uh, they took her left kidney because the surgeon told us that uh, it's the easiest kidney to access. Okay. So I heard her coming back up to the room then. Obviously, she was out for the count. And they brought me down, and I was out for about five hours. Right. And I came back up to the room that night then. And what what was the emotion down. like when you woke up and you realised what had happened? Oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely yeah. fantastic, you know. Yeah. A, 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 gift, a gift of life, you know. Yeah. I was so looking forward then to, uh, to seeing her and vice versa, you know. And when you met... When you eventually oh, came out, fantastic, absolutely fantastic, you know, yeah. fantastic. I said there were a few tears, no, John. Oh, there? God, <laughs> hard to hold it back, hard yeah. to hold it back, you know. It's yeah. almost emotional, like you know, yeah. very much so. Yeah. I'm a little bit teary now, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. That's totally allowed. Uh huh. So, I mean, you oh. were here in in Rosslare Harbour, and we're looking out on the sun shining, and the beach is not far, or the sea is not far away. It life is the most impre- precious gift of all, isn't it? Oh, it's certainly very much so, Alan. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I'm getting stronger every day. I have uh, several visits now to uh, the clinic in Waterford yeah. University Hospital for months to come. Like you know, yeah. I could be a hundred percent fit three months, nine months, but it can take up to twelve months. Right. But every every day, a little bit stronger, will take one step at a time. And has it already made a huge difference to your life? Oh, it's certainly daily. Yeah, life. I feel yeah. the, I feel a lot stronger and whatever. Like you know, for example, even when I was on dialysis, I, I'd go out to cut the lawn. I'd have to stop after ten minutes. Yeah. I'd have no energy whatsoever. Yeah. I used to sit down on the garden bench outside, recharge the batteries. Oh, good to go again. Not a hope. I had to put the lawn over in the shed. Trish, just your dad has explained his entire journey, what he's been through. But now we got to the stage before I spoke to him about you getting yourself mentally right for this. So what was the operation like and recovering from the operation? What's that been like? And do you feel any different minus a kidney? No, I don't feel any difference at all. I suppose, if anything, um, I'm, you know, I, I, I always have tried to be a positive person, but this in, has brought me to a different level as regards positivity. You have to take the positives out of everything, even if there's slight, slight negative there. But in relation to the operation, um, no, I, I mean, even the day we were being admitted, <laughs> and I'm laughing here because uh, a good friend of mine, Richard Leeson, um, brought uh, drove myself and my dad up to Beaumont along with with my mom Bridgie and um so yeah we were we were we were having the sucky sweets uh, going up the M50 and having the chats and whatever like that so um we were getting a phone calls still from from lovely uh, well-wishers friends and and that yeah. So we we got to Beaumont Hospital and we parked the car and I just wanted to get in yeah. 
you know, I knew that it was going to be an emotional goodbye to mom. Um, but I just wanted to get in there and, uh, you know, get get this thing. Were you afraid, Trish? No, no fear. No whatsoever. fear whatsoever. No fear whatsoever. Um, and I, I continued to stay focused. And I suppose knowing too that dad, there was no nerve, nerves there with dad as well, helped me. And yeah. I suppose him seeing me being so... I suppose calm and at ease as well helped yeah. him but we were we were admitted in and as I said before um, you know treated like royalty I will say maybe I suppose about 10 minutes before the the, the team came to bring me down to theater on the morning of the 1st of December couple of little butterflies in the tummy but I mean that's only natural but I mean the two men that brought me down wheeled me down on the trolley to theatre they were up for the crack and so was I you know and even the surgeon came out to me before I was given the anaesthetic and um, I was wound up now like a clock and he actually said to me Trish I'm actually worried now and I said worried and he said I'm worried that when we give you the anaesthetic that you're not going to shut up because (laughs) you know because you're just so but I said that was that's my way of of dealing with no he said that's good that's good but I did shut up when they gave me the anaesthetic and I woke up then three or three and a half hours later and the emotion when your dad came back up after his surgery then he's described it from a daddy's perspective when when you woke up how did you feel? And when, when you saw him coming around, how did you feel? Well, I again, the, going back to the nurses and doctors in Beaumont, from the time that I, I suppose, were brought back from recovery into my own room, not once was I left on my own because they were conscious that I would yeah. be worried about Dad. You know, he was still in, in theatre uh, or whatever. But so they stayed by my bedside until, and minutes before Dad was being wheeled, I could see Dad being wheeled by, in, yeah. you know, going back into his room. And I suppose it was relief, relief hmm. um, to know that he was back. And I suppose relief too, not only for Dad, but for my man Bridgie and my brother Sean and all the people who had been you know sending us love sending us well wishes yeah. knowing that that we this was all over this yeah. was all over and I suppose the next thing then was you know hoping that the kidney was going to uh, function for him and I mean the doctors even spoke to me about it yesterday you know there was no need for dad to have dialysis there may have been a little bit needed when when the kidney was transplanted in to kind of kick start it off there was no need for that the kidney functioned straight away and hasn't stopped yeah. which is fantastic and we're, we're how many weeks now uh, we are seven weeks today seven weeks today yeah yeah so um but no it's 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 he hasn't looked back and i mean to see him doing so well is yeah. just amazing okay. you know and to meet people and say how are you and how's your dad and to be able to say you know he's doing great and mean it he is doing great it's, he's, he's doing fantastic and it's it's you know to see the finer weather coming on now the the longer evenings and dad will yeah. be out on the coastal walk and um he'll probably have to uh bring a packed lunch with him the first day now because he'll be meeting so many people yeah. but uh yeah i i mean i can't i can't say um you know strong enough how good people have been family yeah. friends you know my all my buddies and the Balakogli players have been just fantastic and um, my colleagues in hidden hearing everybody neighbors the whole lot they've just been unbelievable and and continue to um you know it's just great it's fantastic well i started with you trish so i leave the final word to you john i mean this journey you've been on uh, I, I presume there are people you'd like to thank but also to mention the people that never give up hope 
Yeah, it's uh, for me personally, Alan, it's been a tough battle. It's been a long road. But uh, I think now um, we've turned the corner. We're on the right road now, onwards and upwards. And uh, as Trish was saying, the, the health authorities, the nurses, yeah. the doctors, surgeons, between Waterford, Wexford General, my own GP, Beaumont, they've been absolutely fantastic. They're second to none. They're actually worth their weight in gold. But nothing but admiration for me, you know. And nothing. that bond between you and Trish is, is oh, huge. Sure. It's, it's the best Christmas present ever, ever. I, I got my Christmas present on the 1st of December. You had to wait till the 25th, <laughs> till the man with the white beard came. But I just need to uh, mention Wellstone in Wexford there, the renal dialysis clinic there. Uh, I believe I'm the eighth successful transplant that's gone through the unit there. And it's a milestone for them in the sense I am the first person to get a new kidney with a living donor. Yeah. All the other people, the seven before me, unfortunately have had to go through the someone had been in an accident and whatever to, to receive their new life as a cell, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm the first one to come out there with a living donor, thanks to my daughter. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.